This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by The Wisdom of Hobbits, by me, Matthew J. DiStefano. In this hopeful yet at times poignant homage, I focus on everyone's favorite halfling friend, the Hobbit. A charming people, this Shire-based race has captivated, enthralled, and enchanted the hearts and minds of millions. And though they're not a religious society, I argue that spiritual truths, love, kindness, generosity, hope, and even compassion can be found within their familiar yet still relevant and didactic tales. So come and enter a world of adventure and intrigue. Whether it's your first foray into Middle-earth or the Shire is your second home, allow me to inspire you toward discovering your own inner hobbit. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your fine, fine books. From Choir Publishing. Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Hey, welcome back to Apostates Anonymous. I am your host, Matthew J. DeStefano. I am joined with trying to give you a, a nickname for your stuffy nose. Stuffy Keith? Yeah, Stuffy Sniffly. Giles? Sn- Sniffy Giles? Snuffleupagus, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I got a little bit of uh, allergies going on over here. I'll just make you feel, I'll plug yeah, my nose like you. this the whole time. We'll just, we'll do the whole thing sounding stuffed up. Yeah, getting all uh, yeah. stuffy. Other than that, how you feeling? How you doing? Uh, pretty good. I um, my blood pressure is under control now, so that's good. Thanks to uh, modern well, medicine. Uh, what? What? Some medicine, basically. Yeah, I needed help <laughs> from a drug, and uh, well, my, my, I, I, I hope it's not Choir's fault that your blood pressure was high. No, no, no. This is it's been an issue. It's been going up, up for a while, and I've been doing all this thing. I've been doing everything I could think of. You know, exercising changing my diet, um, just all kinds of stuff and nothing was working. And, um, yeah, it, it's a long story. We, we do an episode, maybe one of these days on, it on was Keith's ridiculous. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was so ridiculous. All, all the things I had to do just to see a doctor, have them take my blood pressure, verify that it was high and make me a prescription. It, it was way harder than it needed to be. It took three doctors. I had to walk five miles um, uphill both ways in the snow and then eventually take an Uber. Uh, it was nuts. It was crazy. And then at one point when I got to the, when I finally got to the doctor's office and they were, they checked it, you, this only makes sense to you. If you don't know anything about blood pressure, your, your optimal blood pressure is like 120, 125 over like, I don't know, 70, 80, something like that. And, and mine was like <clears throat> 200 over 125. Jesus Christ. I really thought they were going to send me to the hospital, like call an ambulance or something. And I was rehearsing in my head my speech of how I was not going to go to the hospital. Um, <clears throat> but they were able to, uh, yeah, they were able to get under control. And uh, almost right away, like the next day, it was, I got this great little pill. You take one little tiny pill once a day. And there you go. A little beta so this, blocker there for you. So this morning it was, uh, I just checked it before we jumped on the call and it was like 120 four over 
what was that? Something like 90. It was like, wow. Well, you should check it after doing this show and then we can see. Do you ever see that episode of The Office when Michael, every time Michael's around someone, uh, uh, makes his blood pressure go up? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that's under control because I'm not about to run choir by myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, to uh, think selfishly here, Keith. Yeah, I know. It, <laughs> <laughs> let's think, you know, come on, Keith, think about what this is going to do to Matt, right? <laughs> Have you not considered other people? I'm so sorry. I know I was Jesus. selfishly thinking of my wife and my children and, I you know, know, but I didn't no. think about you. I'm sorry. No. Well, I'm, I'm seriously, all joking aside, I'm glad you're under control. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I don't, I'm, I'm big into fitness and all that kind of stuff. But there's not like a cure to everything outside of Western medicine. Western medicine is great. And so sometimes you need, I know people like shit on big pharma. And of course, there's problems with any sort of corporate interests and all that kind of shit. But at the same time, like, it's not all bullshit. (laughs) No, yes, exactly right. And um, it's crazy that it's just a pill. I just take, take one pill and within 24 hours, it was like, yep, there we go. We're good. I mean, it, yeah. now here's the thing though. I'm not just taking a pill. Um, under doctor's orders, this is a big deal. This is a very big deal for me. Um, no alcohol, uh, no salt or very low salt diet. So I changed all that immediately. And here's the big one. No coffee. Yes. not paying attention. That sucks. So, um, so second cup is not going to be back on. Well, their second cup, it just will be a second cup of decaf or tea. I've moved on to decaf like three years ago. And you know, here's what's so funny. I have been, I have been such an avid coffee drinker for most of my life. Yeah. And so I, I really thought, man, this is going to be brutal. You know, I'm going to have headaches. I'm going to have withdrawal symptoms. I'll be shaking and I would have mood swings and all that. And dude, Nothing. We, we sort of like over a couple of days, we weaned it off. We did like half, we were already doing half calf. So that's the thing we were already, I was already down to half calf. So then we started going like one half calf, one cup of half calf, one cup of decaf for like two days. And then after that, it was straight decaf and and I didn't have a headache, no mood swings, no issues. Like, wow, it was much easier to get off caffeine than I thought it would be. Oh, good. Uh, Yeah. I had headaches for a couple of days and that's it. Yeah. So yeah. easier than I thought. Okay. And like, I'm not tired and sleepy or anything like that either. It's not like, oh, without caffeine, I can't function. Actually, I can. So yeah. there you go. There you go. All right. So, so there's the health update. Thanks, everybody. There's... Thanks for sticking in, uh, yeah. tuning into the health update. Well, I'm glad you're better. Um, are we ready for a sponsor? Yes, I am. I am. Personally, I am very ready. Especially this one. This sponsor is probably one of my favorites of all time. This one's definitely my least favorite. Funky Faith Flavor presents Faith Jams, a Christ-infused hip-and-a-hip-hop album by artists like JC Homie, Big Paul, Lil Paul, Amos and the Funky Bunch, and Super Duo Mo and Zez. With tracks like Big Ups Church, you'll be tapping your toe for the Lord in no time. Big Ups Church, Big Ups Church. Big ups church, and watch the devil fall. Big ups church, big ups church, big ups church, and watch the devil fall. And who can forget this banger, Gangster for God. I'm a gangster. I'm a gangster. I'm 
a gangster for God. I don't know what you heard, but it's probably wrong. Yeah, I'm a gangster. I'm a gangster for God. I don't know what you heard, but it's probably wrong. Order now at www.faithjams.com. That's faithjams with a z.com and use the promo code Gangsta for God. That's G A N G S T A, the number 4, G O D, and you'll get free shipping to anywhere in the United States. Stay funky, church. Okay. So, I think that one is actually too good. It's it's too good. It sounds real. Those songs are actually not too bad. They were just piss takes. There one I did uh I just did like eight vocal tracks just at different levels of pitch. <laughs> that big ups church though, that's a that's a hook. It gets stuck in your head, I'm telling it you. It does. I walked around for a couple of days afterwards, like just like big, big ups, up church. and watch the devil fall. <laughs> Dude, that's it's that's uh, a hook though. That's sweet. And yeah. I've got to be honest, it took like probably the third time listening to that um uh, to realize what Mo and Zez was all about. <laughs> that it was that it was Moses. Moses. Also, like Big Paul and Little Paul, <laughs> <laughs> like Big Sean. Uh yeah, that was fun. Whew. Big Up Church yeah. can be can be a banger, though. So uh, I'm just, you know, it sounds like I don't know, man. It's it's we, seriously, it's too good. I think people we, are going to be like, we need to get, like, we, need to get like, we need to get Lecrae on Big Up's Church. <laughs> That's right. And watch the devil fall. <laughs> hey, look, Lecrae, we got we got your next next. Big I got the hook. Here. I'm like T Pain. You get the verse, and I got the hook. Watch the devil fall. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, Yeah. That was one of my favorites. I was like, ah, eventually I'll get to a commercial like that. And I was like, you know what? Just do one take on each. It'll be fine. I got to say, I'm telling you though, because you can actually do music and stuff like it sounds legit. It sounds like (laughs) that's a real album. (laughs) That's really good. Good Uh, stuff. Christian art. Well, I was I was inspired by the the idea of Christian art. It's uh, kind of an oxymoron. It's like military intelligence. Too many Christian times. Art. Yeah. Too many times. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, so now uh, this episode again, as as per usual, we decided this about less than an hour ago. I think. Oh, easily. Yeah. Our topic. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. Say I had a copy of it, so uh, I think we decided we were going to talk about something that just just hot off the press. At least as we're recording this, brand new, hot off the press, number one bestseller in multiple categories. Yes, sir. Yes, the wisdom of hobbits unearthing our humanity at three bagshot row by this guy Matthew J. DiStefano. Yeah, man. I yeah, thought. Dude. Well, I thought the themes of the book would be fun to talk about. Obviously, it's cool that it's been two days since the launch and it's a number one bestseller in many categories. And that's nice to hear. The reviews are all positive so far. Um, it's really, I don't know. It's its its weird. It's like you finally get to the launch and you, you're excited, but then there's this letdown right after. And I think it's kind of like an adrenaline dump. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you you feel exhausted. Yeah. So I'm kind of in that space right now where it's really, really fun. But then at the same time, like it's like, damn, it's 
it's really exhausting publishing a book that you have been putting a lot of work towards for a long time. Yeah, and that's a good point. I see people don't realize it is a lot of work writing a book, rewriting a book, um, editing it. Yeah, tell me about it. Like it's it's a lot of work, and then and then you got to do once all that part is done, the writing and editing, and you approve the cover and all that stuff. Then yeah, you got to do the launch team. Um, you did a great job on that. Great launch team. Uh, you had that great party at your house. It was all themed. I saw the pictures. That was hilarious. Super uh, fun. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, man. So yeah, you're you're all over it. And I think here's the thing too that probably feels really good. I would imagine. And I don't know that I will ever have this feeling, Matt, about a book. That I, I dream one day that this could be true, but for you, you have finally published a book that no one is going to call you a heretic. No one's going to like scream at you and, and write some, like you talk about reviews, right? Positive reviews. Right. So that's great. But that's because there's nothing for like the, the theological police to say, Oh, this is heresy. Oh, this is, you know, and as far as I know, there are no Tolkien, you know, uh, you'd be surprised. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I, I mean, with any fan, you know, base with any group, there are purists, there are fundamentalists. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there was a one review on YouTube had some minor critiques, one I of which that. was yeah. my politics because I mentioned climate change. So <laughs> there, <laughs> which is strange. Um, there, there, there will be some, but you're right. I mean, no one's going to, this isn't a, there's not eternal con- there's not eternal consequences to <laughs> what right. I'm saying. And yeah, and not only that, like I mean I, I like you said I'm sure yeah, there are absolutely in all kinds of fandoms there are people that are purists and mm-hmm. they want to argue, you know, all kinds of stupid like can Superman beat up, you know, whatever stupid things. But yeah. um but who but would win in a fight Gandalf right, versus right. you know. Yeah, or... yeah, who could who could win, yeah. Um but you're not. But your book isn't challenging any of those things. Like you're not. Like unlike when you do theology, mm. you're not challenging the norm. You're not going. You're not sort of bucking the status quo of that monolithic structure or whatever of beliefs. Yeah. Um, here you're you're just kind of pulling out of this Hobbit lore, Tolkien lore, um, some really positive things, right? So there, other other than like this, I know I, I saw that. Uh, video with a guy i to me what it felt like was it struck a nerve with him and his personal politics that he felt like he needed to push back against it but beyond that yeah beyond that there was really nothing there's nothing in this book that's gonna like uh create a controversy or something like that which is probably feels pretty good well if i would have just let off with this i probably would have avoided well i would have avoided some headaches but i would i would have avoided the great trolls that i've gotten from books like heretic and things like that. So, but it, no, it, it feels it, it, not only that, but it feels good to write a book where I don't once mention the Bible. I don't quote scripture. I don't talk about Jesus. The yeah. only mention I make of God is the God in Tolkien's world, which is a God believed in by, you know, the people of middle earth. And then I, uh, I allude to the Christian and Jewish scriptures and I say, I would put Tolkien's mythology up with them as being some of the most foundational yeah. great mythologies in the world. But no theology outside of uh, what I would say is, I think, a, a fair interpretation of Tolkien's writings. Yeah. Which yeah, is nice. 
Yeah. No, that, uh, man, that's what I'm saying. I'm really jealous because <laughs> I, I can't think of anything. I mean, like I'm a huge fan of Philip K. Dick and I can, and down, down the road, actually, I do plan maybe choir classics, uh, maybe write a forward and publish some of his short stories, which are in the public domain and all that. But I can't imagine, even if I wrote an original something, you know, like outside theology about some of my other interests, um, nothing is to the level of this. Like Tolkien is, I mean, he really did create a, another world. And not only that, he was a linguist, right? He created actual languages mm-hmm. um, for the different races and, and people and peoples within uh, the worlds he created. Yeah. So the, the level of world building that he does um, and the it's mythology behind it, it is, yeah. it is second to none. And it's literally, yeah. here's, what's I, here's what I think is amazing. It, it's so complete, like to your point, like comparing it to Judeo-Christian, you know, kind of stuff. Um, like imagine there's like a huge apocalypse, big, you know, like a, there's a massive nuclear war and only a, a few, a few people survive. Someone gets a copy of Lord of the Rings and they think it's real, right? They would call it the scriptures because like, because the people, the characters, the stories like, oh, this, this is real. I mean, they, it's so well thought out. Mm-hmm. It is, it is on par with, um, something like the Hebrew scriptures, right? Or even mm-hmm. maybe even more so because it's it's better written. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and it's and it's the genius of it too is it's it's also complete in its incompleteness. So it there's not an answer to every question. There's yeah. not there's almost like fragmented stories within myth the mythology, which is exactly how a mythology would have. Like we have fragments of the Christian Bible, of the right. Hebrew Bible. We have some. Katie was talking about it recently in Heretic Happy Hour. We have some that are full chapters, some that are full New Testaments, some that are postage stamp scraps. Yep. And Tolkien almost treats that his world exactly like that. Yeah. So when you ask, like, what happened to the other wizards out, you know, other than Gandalf and Saruman and Radagast, he's like, well, we have some information, but not a lot. And it's like, what do you, what do you mean? We, <laughs> you created it. And he's like, but he's creating it as in they created it. Yeah. And he's just translating their stories to us. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that too. Like those sort of those yeah. gaps and those missing parts, which I love it. honestly I think is is great art. Um, right. You know, you never want to. Uh, there's a really great thing about mystery, <clears throat> and I, I was exploring that a little bit in Solo Mysterium about how um, J.J. Abrams, the direct, film director, talks about this about uh, he had this thing called the mystery box when he was a kid, and um, and it's true. It's like like, so if you think about like Star Wars, right? Uh, in the first, you know, the New Hope, Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, the whole thing, right? They, they introduced this thing called the Force, right? And then Empire Strikes Back, but it's mysterious. You don't know, what is this? What's the Force? Well, we don't know. We don't tell you that. And then in the mm-hmm. second movie, Yoda kind of explains, it's this energy between you and me and the rock and all these things and blah, blah, blah. And it's everywhere and it's in all things. Okay, wow, that's kind of cool and mysterious. And and so, but the more mysterious it is, the more interesting it is. And then the big mistake was like in the Phantom Menace when they said, "Oh, it's these are the midichlorians that are in your bloodstream." Like, well, mm-hmm. what? Now, see, you you answered the mystery, and now it's not interesting anymore, and now it's stupid. And that kind of thing happens all the time, right? It happens in a lot of movies and TV shows where the more it's a mystery, the better it is. Once you explain, once you answer the question, usually it, it's worse. It's not better. Mm-hmm. So I like that, um, you know, that Tolkien does that, that he, he makes you wonder, right? Well, what, what happened to like, you know, you, you know, the Aragorn was like a ranger, right? 
Um, but like, well, but you don't know all the inner details of his whole story and background. It's mysterious. You have to put it cool. together. And but yeah. I think that's what keeps us writing books about it decades yes. later. Yes. And because it's like on one level, yeah, I can't say anything in my book that hasn't already been said in some way because so much has been written about yeah. Tolkien. I mean, Tolkien studies is something you can study in university. Yeah. Um, but I think where Tolkien leaves room is for if you respect the lore and you respect everything, then then you have some interpretive work still to do because he doesn't give us all those answers. So we can tease out the meaning. Tolkien doesn't give us the like, like if you read, if you compare him with uh, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, like, yeah, for me, there's not a lot of extra meaning that I can get from that story because it's so much an allegory for. Right. For, and this was something for, that the two of them, Tolkien and Lewis, argued about all the time. Right. Right. And Lewis, uh, well, and it's a bit different in some ways, right? Because I think Lewis was, he did write an allegory, um, but he was intending his stories like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all that, the, that whole series. It was, a, those were children's stories. They're children's stories, yeah. And you're like, read read a chapter before you go to sleep at night, right? Now, Tolkien is not really a bedtime story thing for kids. No, no, yeah. and and it doesn't, and that's that's not a pejorative on Lewis. It just means for me and my interests, like I'd rather read something where I have to read and reread it and really like, okay, so it seems like there could be like ten meanings here. So let's tease out those things. Yeah. And that's what I try to do in, in my book is to like emphasize the things that are important to me on why I'm drawn to Tolkien and then kind of explain, I think, why it's important and how it can actually be beneficial to us in the real world. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, this is also, um, it's really fascinating because in a way, don't tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's in a way, it's almost what you've done is you've taken um, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings and these these Tolkien fictional fantasy stories, but you kind of written a devotional based on them. Like it's almost like, and here's what you should do using these stories in this book. This is these are some some wisdom things you can pull out of it to apply to your own life. The way you would do with Psalms or Proverbs or mm. Ephesians or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. I'm more interested in the wisdom of hobbits than the wisdom of solomon <laughs> <laughs> just cut the baby in half what do you mean yeah see that's a bad thing no but i mean in in the same way though like i also say that i mean i have my critiques of the bible we all do yes. um well most of us do most of us thinking people do all of our listeners do yes um but okay. i also have i have problems with hobbit culture too and i get i get uh into that in the book and I think I, what we have to realize is that hobbits are just so much like us. Like Frodo and Sam are regular hobbits, but they're also extraordinary in compared to uh, so many of the other hobbits, which are, I mean, super judgmental and gossipy, and <laughs> they're just kind of <laughs> like us in many ways. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit. I mean, in the in the stories, what are kind of the, some of the qualities of hobbits that make them stand out from some of the other races and characters on the positive. Yeah. 
Um, I think they, I think their their view of ecology, and I guess environmentalism. Oh, your politics uh, is coming in now. See, this is you're getting political, man. I know, I know. No, actually, <laughs> it's funny is that in the book I mentioned like the answer to this environmental question isn't necessarily just policy change. It, it's an actual change of thinking. Yeah. So it requires us to change how we view our relationship with the earth aside from politics. And right. so that, that, that's what really bugged me about that review is like, I, I go out of my way to say this is not entirely a policy issue at all. It's just, and then I quote someone who says the same thing about Tolkien. <laughs> it's yes. like, and then they say, it's my, well, no, it's not my politics. It's, it's the way I, I think the hobbits view the world. They view it. They're not trying to just use it for resources. They're trying like, like Saruman did. And that's, he uses the forest to build and build and build. Right. And eventually and, and to build for war. But he's, but he's destroying right. the ground and the, and the forest in the process. Exactly. And the, the forest fights back and eventually wins. Isn't that kind of like the trajectory of climate change? <laughs> like we're not going to win. Like, you know, we're not going to overtake the planet Winning and the make, <laughs> make it hospitable in our efforts of industrial. We're going to industrialize our way to a hospitable planet. No. Right. Um, the planet will go on. It doesn't need us to sustain. Right. Um, and, and in many ways, so, it might be better off without us. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's going to be fine just without us. Just like, just like Fangorn Forest was fine without Saruman. Uh yeah. And so like, that's a, that's an interesting point though. Like the, we need the earth, the earth doesn't need us. Right. right. Yeah. And I think hobbits realize that. And I think it's symbolic that they live in the earth. Like they don't, they don't try to completely change the earth. They kind of just blend in with it. Like it's very unpretentious. And, um, and, and, and so it's, I think that's kind of symbolic of how we should, like we should have a light footprint on the earth. <laughs> Um, Western culture does not have a light footprint on the earth, right? White white colonialism does not have a light footprint on the earth. Well, and then I think we've talked about this a couple of times in the past as well, but one of the reasons why I think, um, a lot of people, certainly in the West don't have that sort of adversarial attitude with, uh, with nature is that it's the way they read Genesis. They, Mm. they believe that God told us to dominate Mm-hmm. Uh, the earth, right? And uh, you made the joke one time about how you dominate your garden. Um, I, I dominate that shit, right? But it, see, that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? And and, right. and even even to be fair, that's probably not the right interpretation of that of what it is even saying in Genesis. However, it's how it's been interpreted as if you know, oh, hey, look, this this place is our our playland. We get to to uh, exploit it to our benefit, and we can trash it because according to the end of the book. Of the Bible, right? Uh, it's all going to burn up, and God's going to give us a new one. So you know, drive it like you stole it, wear it out, blow it up, burn it down, because you're going to get a new one. Uh, at, you know, at the end of the warranty or something. And and in one way, it's like, okay, it is. I I believe that is true. Like I believe no matter what we do to ourselves, to the planet, and to others, that in the end it'll be okay. Yeah, but. To say that then then my actions don't matter in the interim is ridiculous. Like, right. it's like, of course, like you don't need eternal consequences for actions to matter like that. I, I think it seems like that when we grow up with like 
this like this split that eternal hell and eternal heaven for some yeah we say that oh if it's not this final causality that is eternal either annihilation or hell that then our actions don't matter it's like yeah i do believe that we can sit here and exploit the planet and it will burn and that in the end everything will be restored so in a way i believe that but at the same time why am my is my proclivity to take care of the planet now and to argue that we take care of the planet now and restore each other now like th- because actions still matter right and it's also recognizing that things we do now will affect our children and their children and 100%. the next generations right so um yeah like i i love i love what you're talking about and i think it would be really beautiful if we could return to more of that way of thinking of ourselves as being sort of interconnected, interdependent upon the planet, you know, um, because yeah, even though the planet doesn't necessarily need us and we need the planet, um, on, on one level, I guess that isn't true. I think the planet does need us in the sense of the planet needs us to stop polluting it, to stop destroying it, to stop, um, you know, ravaging it. Um, again, I, I don't, I think it'll be fine without us, but it'll probably outlive us and outlast us. Um, but like, I love, I, I've, I've loved looking at like native American, uh, mysticism. I, I got a great book about, um, native American, uh, mythology. And there was a beautiful creation story that talks about how, whatever, whatever their name for God was, I forgot now. Um, but the, 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 the creative being, the great spirit, whatever, but he had a name, I can't remember. Um, but the, 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 the creation story was that this God created earth and all of its beauty. And it goes into all this detail about the, you know, the waters and the trees and the mountains and the animals and the fish and the birds and the antelope and whatever. And, um, and, and then, and then, so God just kind of sits back and marvels at how beautiful it is. Mm. And then he creates man to remind the earth how beautiful she is and how much God loves the earth. And that's what man's purpose is. Like the reason God created a man and a woman was to be the constant reminder to this beautiful creation of this earth he created to constantly say to the earth, you're beautiful and and you're the most amazing thing God has ever made. And so we are in that, in that mythology, humanity is sort of an ambassador to the earth to to remind the earth and to tell the earth how beautiful it is and how important and precious it is. And I, I read that and I thought, oh my gosh, what if that had been <laughs> in Genesis, right? What if that had been the, the the prevailing dominant creation story that most of humanity grew up believing? Wouldn't that radically change the way we we react to and, and relate to the planet? Mm. Um, and so, or or you know, hobbits is another example. Like it, it would be wonderful if we would adopt a similar perspective because it would really change everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's really been something that has been on the forefront of my mind for a long time. Yeah. And even when I was a evangelical Christian, I could not understand the idea that just because the world's going to end, right. well, we can just, you know, it's like, yeah, but That's here's just the problem. Just because you're going to die doesn't mean like, yeah. I mean, they, they would always say that stuff, you know. Yeah. But you don't but know they, when the world's going to end. That's the problem, right? Because 
people were talking this way back in the 1800s. I've been talking so, about this way forever. Paul yeah. talked about. I mean, ta- yeah. Paul. Paul was basically like, "Don't fuck and don't have kids, and if you're gonna fuck, you got to, I guess, get married." Right, but but because God's coming, coming back, Jesus coming, coming back like to yeah. this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or at least in your lifetime, yeah, this exactly. massive things that so happen. So don't bother with having sex. Yeah, and it's so dumb because it's like there's just such a practical sense of it too. Like this planet is where you get your air and your water. You cannot survive without those two things. You need oxygen and you need clean water that you can drink. And, you know, if you're living out in the forest next to a pond where you get all your water from and you start shitting in the pond, how long is that going to last? How how long is that going to work until like, hey, I don't have clean water anymore. I wonder Mm -hmm. why. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. because you're shitting in in the pond. You know, like in a way, that's what we're doing in a macro scale with our planet. Um, Mm -hmm. we need this planet for oxygen. You know, we need plants to photosynthesis or we will die. Mm -hmm. And so to just like mow down thousands of acres of, of rainforest. So we can put a soccer stadium in there. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you know, we might miss that oxygen one day and say, and I I like, remember breathing. I like breathing. And it's so striking that again, to get political that, See, this this is the problem with it. It's like, no, the, when you talk about climate change, it can be politicized, of course. Yeah. But it's like the minute you bring it up, then conservatives want, because they deny it, they think it's a political statement. I don't take it as a political statement at all. I just think there is, if you look at everything we've done in the industrialized and post-industrialized world, you have to think that there's cause and effect. Right. How arrogant is it to think that we can do all this and behave this way and have no effects, no nat- negative effects on our behavior? That is that that's that's stuff that we learn early on, or we should learn early on as children. Like when you yeah. do something wrong, there is an effect to that, and, and it affects people, and that's why we don't do it because it that's harms right. others. But then we think, oh, we can just shit in our pond and then drink it through a straw. <laughs> And we're not going to get the we're not going to get diarrhea, violent right. diarrhea and vomiting later. Like yes. how how arrogant to think that. And it's like I mean and, and this is just one aspect of the book. I mean um it's just one chapter actually. Well, it's a theme throughout, but it's mainly right. just one chapter. Right. But I think it goes to the whole um kind of philosophy of they're they're a very secular society, so if they're if they have any religion at all, it's their I don't know relationship yeah. to the earth and so i, I was like oh, that's that's kind of how i see things now like they don't they don't seem to care about iluvatar the god they don't talk about him they yeah. acknowledge him but they just act they don't live as if like they need to worship that god or anything right that's how that's where i'm at so it's like oh i think i'm a hobbit <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so are there other qualities of hobbits uh that you talk about in your book no you know i don't want to spoil the whole thing but yeah you know. Um, let's see. I, I think, um, Mike Machuga, my best friend, uh, has talked a long time about the balance for adventure and a home. And if you get stuck in one or the other, you don't live a full life. And so I think hobbits, the hobbits that only stay in the Shire miss out on, on a lot of things. And so the hobbits that really grow and learn are the ones who go outside the Shire and go on an adventure whether it's Bilbo or Frodo or Mary Sam Pippin. Um, yeah. 
And so it seems to be life is like that. We need a home. We need our roots. We need to set down roots, but we also need to take, I mean, it couldn't come at a better time to talk about that kind of stuff when, you know, you and I are taking on the adventure of having a publishing company. Yeah. And so it's like, I hate to just analogize everything Tolkien's doing, but it's like, there, there <laughs> seems to be guy. this. He loves that. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he'd be opposed to it. Let's just not re- rely on it too much. But there is the analogy of like, okay, that you could you could see these kind of decisions of like uh, whether you own a new business or you move across the country as sort of a trek to to Mordor or something like an adventure leaving leaving the confines of your church or of your home of your yeah. job of whatever leaving the confines of a paycheck I don't know when I'm going to get paid from choir right you know what I mean like we right. get paid you if know there's money. <laughs> If there's, if we make money, exactly. Yeah. Like there's money left over after we pay all the authors and pay all the bills and all the, <laughs> there is some sort of adventuring in that because I've never done that and I'm 40 years old. So, um, yeah. no, I've been doing could, that part of it for like three and a half years because, uh, doing the author thing is like, you know, I wait for that royalty statement and then I see how, what I have to make up in other, in other yeah. places, uh, every month. So, yeah, but I, and I, but all of my author royalties have always been like, oh, that's nice to have. <laughs> Because I've had two and two and three other jobs. Now I'm down to one, bro. I'm down to one part-time job yeah. from three. So, I mean, choir's doing okay. So that's good. That's good. Off, yes. We off hope to it a continues. fine start. Yes. We hope but you still don't know. Just like, I mean, you're, right? you're on an adventure. You're not at home yet. And maybe, maybe choir will become a home once it's consistent and we know what we're doing. But right now it's, it's still an adventure in unknown territory. Yeah. I, I hate to say this, but it's partly because... Well, we've only been doing this barely two months, right? Um, but it's also because we haven't made any really big mistakes yet, and I'm hoping we don't. Of course, I don't. I don't want to make any big mistakes, but um, right so far, everything we've tried, every every idea we've had. Uh, I mean, again, knock on wood, it's been it's worked. It's been great. It's been like, oh wow, this is this is cool, you know. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, yeah, we keep partnering with the right people, having the right ideas, thinking through, you know, and, and doing things in, in the right way. And so it continues to grow. I hope. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. I've made mistakes. I, I can't say, I mean, but we haven't made any huge Nothing mistakes. Nothing major, right. Nothing yeah. Major. Like you, you publish a book by an author and find out he's some kind of a child molester or something. Gosh. <laughs> I was, I was about to make a Bruxy KV joke. Sorry. Uh. That's that's all too close to home, buddy. Yeah, I know, I know. And I was like, is it too soon? It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well, say here's a, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a segue slash commercial. Um, because it reminds me it's it's a chance to mention this. So one of the so we've had a lot of, I think, great ideas that we've implemented, right? The choir classics, the 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 choir cast podcast network, um, other things we're gonna announce coming up. But one of those things is um, Choir Now is doing these events, right? And um, so we have one in Nashville and uh, in June 9th and 10th, and we're doing another one in Grand Rapids, uh, September 22nd and 23rd. And um, yeah, September 22nd is uh, Frodo and Bilbo's birthday. So just they, shout out look, to them. Look at that. There's, yes, <laughs> synergy there. Um, so yeah, you know, check those out. I mean, those events are going to be excellent. Kind of <clears throat> the focus is deconstruction and reconstruction. The speakers um, are phenomenal and they're coming from a variety of perspectives, which I always love. So not everybody's on the same page. I mean, there's some people that have 
probably just sort of deconstructed, may even still consider themselves evangelical. They're people that have, uh, that are maybe already deconstructed almost everything, moving into reconstruction phases. There are some people speaking uh, who are, who would call themselves post-Christian or even atheist and everything in between. So it's a, it's just a safe place for people to come and talk and listen and learn and grow. Um, again, this is the kind of stuff we've been modeling with Heretic Happy Hour for the longest time of what it looks like for people to to disagree and still respect each other and love each other. Um, so yeah, these events are really great. We just we just finalized that Kevin Max is going to be our musical guest in Grand Rapids. Jennifer Knapp is our musical guest in Nashville. Um, and we just, I haven't even actually put this out anywhere yet, uh, but Eve Was Framed is confirmed as a speaker for Nashville. She's, if you don't follow her on Instagram, she's amazing. Go check her out. But uh, yeah, right now the early bird rates are still available for both of those events. Go check those out. You'll find link, the link in the show notes, the yeah. links in the show notes, click it. If go you're in Nashville, Grand Rapids, even if you're not, I mean, if it's a couple hour drive, go make the drive. Do it. Shit. And uh, lots of choir authors are on the bill. So that's cool. You know, December Rose, Roger Woolsey, Karen Schock, who is going to be an author, Heather Hamilton, um, many, 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 Dan Henderson, Nat Turney, Jeff Turner, right. Brandon Andrus, Brandon Andrus. Yes. Lots, lots of really great people. Plus Jennifer Bird. She was my, she's my hero. She's going to be at both events, Nashville and Grand Rapids. I'll be there too. So if you go to either one, I'd like to see you there. And Jennifer Bird's part of choir now too, right? I'm so happy to say that. Yes. Proud, proud to say, um, and she doesn't know this, but we are slowly reeling her in. So right now we're the baby. The first baby step is, uh, we have her podcast on the Choircast network, the wild dollar podcast. Um, she's speaking at these two awaken events. Eventually, hopefully one day, Choir will publish a new book by Jennifer Bird. That's that's the ultimate goal. Manifest, manifest, We're manifesting it. it right now. Manifesting yeah. that shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. So, well, yeah, that's dude. exciting. Though I, I don't. If you come to the West Coast, I might, I might go out there. I don't know if I'll speak. I don't like talking to people. Well, maybe we'll do something. Maybe. We can do, do a, a, li- a live podcast next year. Yeah, maybe next year we can do. Uh, we can do one in, on the West Coast. Do one in California. There's a lot of because you had several authors. Uh, we've got a bunch. We've got, you know, we've got John Turney. Yeah. Ben, ben DeLong's in California. Shonda. Uh, Brian Woodson. Myself. Yeah. Um, if we go SoCal, you know, there's a bunch of authors down there. Mark Harris is in San Diego. He's in a whale's vagina. Yes. What? <laughs> what? An- Anchorman? Nothing? No. Uh, You've never seen Anchorman? Yes, I've seen Anchorman. I don't remember that joke. Oh, he says San Diego means a whale's vagina. Because oh, is that when they put the pr- teleprompter up and whatever they put, yeah. he reads it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, Good man. One. Okay. All right. Um, I might even fly out for that one, too. Uh, if we do something like that in California, that'd be fun. Hey, by then, choir can just fly you all over the place. Baby. Yeah, in our private jet. Yeah. I was talking to this guy, Frank Frank Graham. He has one for sale. I'm considering buying it. Franklin Graham? Franklin, Franklin Graham. That's right. Yeah, he's, selling, yeah. he's selling his G6. Okay. Well, maybe we could work something out. That'd be. That'd so be cool. um, we're going to start a Patreon, folks. Uh, Patreon.com. <laughs> I go fund me. <laughs> Buy choir Try. a jet. I'm trying to save up $5 billion. It's with a B. <laughs> if you can make it, even a dollar helps, folks. Just a dollar. That's right. Plant that seed. Plant. <laughs> plant your seed. Plant your seed. Um, Right over here. Steed, Onan. Um, yeah. <laughs> Onan. Oh my gosh. 
Talk about dropped a, own, obscure, dropped a Onan joke. Obscure <laughs> reference. You don't get a lot of those. <laughs> you don't get a lot of Onan references. <laughs> yes, Onan there's, there's no Onan references in the in the book. <laughs> good. That's very good. No, no. So, dude, I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, this book, by the way, the cover, it looks phenomenal. It looks amazing. Uh, I um, shout out to Raphael. Great job. I I submitted it for a book award for best cover. Oh, did. Uh, maybe in May. May is when it happens. I don't know. We'll see. Sweet. Now let's talk about that a little bit too, because um, there there is so much Tolkien. Um, there's a Tolkien Society. Um, you mentioned earlier. You know, there's like a a guy that has a YouTube thing where he talks about Tolkien stuff. I know there's a there's podcasts. There's, um, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. So, and and then you also uh, did some press. You went out on NPR. Right. So talk about mm-hmm. all that stuff you've been doing to kind of like get the word out and, and different places yeah. you send it to. And well, on March 29th, my interview on NPR with uh, Nancy Wiegman will be out. I think it replays on April 2nd as well. Sweet. Um, yeah, I've I've reached out to the Tolkien Society, and unfortunately, uh, it had to had to have been published in 2022 in order to be up for any nominations for a book award. So I'll have to wait till 2024 since it was a 2023 publication. Damn. So. Damn. Um, but the Tolkien Society, one of their reviewers is reviewing the book. So hopefully in their next newsletter in April, which I'm subscribed to, um, it'll be a positive review. If it's negative, you'll never hear from me again. Right. Keith, this is all you. You're going to be apostate <laughs> synonymous with I'll just your, be host. your only host. Yeah, your only host. Uh, I would be very disappointed if it was a negative review. Uh, I don't I know why. It, I, I don't know yeah. why it would be. But, you know, I mean, you know, right. I mean, you create something and you can be confident about it. But there is this little voice that's just like, you're shit. You're, you're terrible. This is not good enough. This is you know what I mean? Like every yeah, author has that sort of thing. Syndrome. Yes, we all, exactly. we all go through it. Yes. Absolutely. So you play it around in your head on like you're the heart sinking reading this review like oh my god this is terrible um but i'm confident it'll be positive um so yeah i've just reached out to a bunch i've tried to get on um the prancing pony podcast who by the way i know one of the co-hosts that's so weird i've been listening to them for years and uh, they're right they're writing a book right now and i reached out and they were going to endorse it but they you know they didn't have time they're working on theirs and so maybe i'll get on there put i'm going to manifest that to get on there i i, I think um, you will i mean maybe it won't hurt you too much that i know this guy uh well maybe i'll mention that or should i mention that? I, I don't know i yeah, maybe not <laughs> maybe not I'll mention that I, just, I don't know you. Hey, by the way, I don't know Keith Giles, if that makes any difference. <laughs> I just want to say up front, I, I do not know this Keith Giles guy. And if you don't like him, I don't like him. But if you like <laughs> him, I also like him. <laughs> now, you also got in the local paper, dude. I got to get it. How did that happen? A local paper. Yeah. Um, so Rick Machuga, who we're publishing his book on the 28th, was he's a retired philosophy professor. Yeah. And one of his colleagues is also a philosopher. And he also writes editorial and book reviews for the Chico Enterprise Record. And I was like, hey, if I sent you a book, could you put me in the paper? And he was like, I'd love to. I'll have it come out on launch day. So sweet. he gave me a review in the paper. And I went and I paid $2 and quarters and I got a paper out of a box. <laughs> out of a box? I, I was like, like I mean, I've never... Yeah. Exactly. I, you know, I was like, do, I was thinking, do they, I don't even look for them. So did, do they even have these? They have them everywhere. 
every liquor store like has a, a paper win. I'm like, so apparently people are still put- reading papers. Yeah, and, and people still walk around with two dollars and quarters in their pocket. I know I had to go get that. <laughs> I was going to say though, isn't it weird that there is still sort of a a, yeah. a sub economy uh-huh. that still operates on quarters in a machine, yep. and it's not to get like a little gumball for your kid. It's no, to get the paper. By the yeah, it's so antiquated. And then, uh, and then when you open it up, you could take all the papers technically. You can take them all exactly. You can pay two dollars. You know, people do that, right? I'm a sure. lot of people will do that. I've seen a lot of homeless people will do that. They'll they'll buy a one paper from those machines, take the whole stack, and then sell them on the on the like at the stoplight. <laughs> you know, hey, extra, dollar, extra, dollar. read all about it. It's only a dollar. <laughs> Why is this so cheap? Don't ask questions. <laughs> Don't ask. The black market of the local paper. So right. yeah, it was yeah, it was really exciting to have. It's a big ass picture too. Like, oh, do I do. Yeah. The, yeah, the color, the paint. It's full color too, man. They did a they full did color. A solid. They did me a solid. So yeah, shout out to Dan Barnett. He's the philosopher who writes for the paper and yeah, friends man. of Rick Machuga. Yeah. It helps it helps to know people, I think. Yeah. I have tried I've tried here in El Paso to get any kind of local, you know, newspaper. Yeah. But then then I and, and I and failed, by the way. But but then I realized I'm trying really hard for something that I don't know is really it's That's not, great. I mean, yeah, I'm going to help me. I don't know. Yeah. There's no link. I got to open the paper. I can't <laughs> click the affiliate link to go buy the book. Right. right. So someone would have to be like, oh, I really want to read this. And then, okay, let me get on my computer. If they're reading a paper, they might not know how to use it. They a computer may not even well. have internet. Yes. Right. That's why they're yeah, reading a like, newspaper that they bought for And then they're going to go down to the local bookstore and ask for it. And they're going to be like, no. Or the library. Gonna they're going to go to the, the library. library. Yes. Yeah. I've had people tell me that. I, I went to my local library. They didn't have any of your books. I'm like, well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> we're in a we're in a different we're we're working on different things here, folks. Yeah, yeah really different. But man, yeah. this is so, so great. I'm really excited for you. I, I hope this book is going to do really well. And I don't know if you want to announce, but I I, I hear there might be uh, some follow ups to this, right? Yeah, I'm debating on uh, how to do it. Um, but there's going to be more wisdom from the hobbits. And I, I don't think that'll be the title, but um, I want to focus in part, the part do the sequel. Revenge, revenge of Frodo. Reven- what if Frodo, no, I'm going to, yeah, if you could write fan fiction, you could have a totally like, what if Frodo didn't destroy the ring? And then it's a very dark. Yeah, there you go. Or Dildo Daggins, his, his uh, cousin. Once he, Jesus Christ! He's Once he goes to public right? domain, then it's going to be like literary <laughs> erotic literature <laughs> featuring Dildo Daggins. I'm going to go ahead and write it, and get it ready, so that whenever that happens, it'll Just, be ready to go. Yeah, 2040 apparently. Okay, well, if I'm alive you, by then, send it to the publisher, to the to the distributor. Um, no, it's going to focus on all the you know the the wisdom of Frodo, the wisdom of Sam, the wisdom of Mary. So like it's going to drill down a little bit more and get more granular and kind of um, instead of doing like a second edition where I'd add things, it's like I can explain things more in this context and, and elaborate more and then um, kind of have a people can buy the whole set and they can they yeah. can get the intro to the Hobbits, which is the book that just came out. And then if they want to know more, they can go deeper. That's sweet. So that'll be out in, uh, with all of choir's work. That'll be out in about seven years. Right. (laughs) So yeah, this is the problem, right? Because we're doing so much with choir. Um, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I don't know if you are, but like, can I continue to write and publish books while I'm trying to publish everybody else's books? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's been a balance I haven't yet figured out. Yeah. Well, the only thing I can figure out is that if I'm going to do it, I just have to start getting up earlier in the morning. Um, get less sleep basically. (laughs) That's how it's done. Yeah. That's the secret. Don't sleep so much. All right. Well, well, hopefully I'm sure it'll slow down eventually. I mean, I hope there's a lot of things that should be like I'm doing the website right now. That's going to be done eventually. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's, work can, will eventually yeah. go away, which by the way, choir.com will be up and running. I mean, it's up and running now, but it'll be like revamped and, and new yeah, within the next couple of weeks, it. folks. Yeah. We're updating it. So. <clears throat> it's going to be uh, cleaner, sexier, more accurate, up to date. Super sexy. And we also, we have a, a, let's do a, we have a soft announcement. We don't have any details, but we're looking at starting some sort of clothing line. So watch out folks. Yes. That's the other idea. Uh, we are floating at the moment. So here's the thing though. We already have, and here's part of it. Part of the problem is that we don't promote it honestly very much. Like we don't talk about it even in the, uh, heritage happy hour. But Never. if you go to heritagehappyhour.com, there is a store there. And we have some killer t-shirts and hats and, and pillows. Oh, my gosh. The pillows mm-hmm. are genius. Um, so we have great stuff. There, you know, There's great t-shirts already, hats, pillows, mm-hmm. all that stuff up there already. Um, but, yeah, I think for choir to do it, and it'll be something that we can – I think this is why it'll be it maybe more successful is that choir is already starting to grow and build a marketing and promotions you know, channel and, and different avenues. So that if we launched an apparel company, um, it'd be easier to just drop in ads for that in our, you know, choir Instagram or TikTok or whatever, uh, or in our podcast episodes to mention, Hey, we have a new shirt up on the site, blah, blah, blah. Um, cause right now we're just not, we have cool stuff. We're not promoting it, but if we sort of do another launch and, uh, and then make it something that, uh, we actually talk about more often, and let people know about more often. Uh, yeah, that'll be cool. So you got some great ideas for shirts? Uh, yeah, I got some ideas. I got to run and buy some people. I'll talk okay. to you after the show. Yeah, that's right. We I think we have a meeting with a designer coming up too, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking one cool thing is like if we could design a shirt for a, every book launch. If a, if a yeah if an author then has like something thematic, not just a cover of the book, but something that's themed that represents the book as a t-shirt would be dope as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with, you know, the covers and stuff that we have. Um, I think almost every choir book could translate into like a really cool t-shirt idea totally or could. poster, something like that. Yeah. Totally. Really could. cool. I got lots of ideas, bro. I've had some ideas over the years, um, that I sent to Ralph for hair to cap here store and they never, because he didn't have time. He never got developed. So I got to f- remember them and find them because uh, I had a couple I thought would make really cool shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, um, I hope you enjoy the book. I've had great reviews. Everyone listening, pick up the book. If you haven't yet, the link is in the show notes. And if you read the book, give it a review. If you Please. listen to this show, give it a review. Please. If you listen to any of the choir cast shows, rate and review. Do your due diligence, people. Yeah, we're doing our part. All we ask, yeah. a couple of stars, a couple of, you know, take two At least minutes. two, two yeah. stars. Write a review. Uh, I prefer five if, if you can, the maximum. Yeah, and, and if you write a review, don't just, I mean, make it a great review or just like shit on us so we can use that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
See, that's the Give thing. us something it's we all, can use. It's all good, right? It's yeah, all good. Whatever you say. Don't just yeah. say this is a mediocre podcast. I can't use that. That's right. Yeah. You got to be like these hellbound heathens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get creative, please. Get creative. I've got creative trolls. There's a bar that they've set. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, Keith. Well, I'll see you. In t- well, see you sooner than later. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, there'll be another meeting probably in a few more hours. In probably 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Later, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Take care.